Elvis, 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 Ladies and gentlemen, place your bets because we're off to the races. This week, you get to decide who is the ultimate podcaster. Is it me or is it Matt? We're going to switch roles today, and I'm going to tell you the facts about the Elvis films, and Matt's going to make funny jokes about people's names sounding funny. And um, let us know in the comments who you think the real winner is. Today, we're going to be talking about Speedway, a film that Elvis Presley starred in that wasn't that great, but it wasn't that bad. Matt, what are your first thoughts on the movie? You really nailed it. Uh, <laughs> I was we were just discussing before we hit record that it it starts off bad and then it's actually gets slightly better which is usually not the way these things go uh, yeah. it's still the third act is still kind of like bleh yeah but it's watchable kinda, it's alright yeah it's more watchable than the other um, what was that one where they're like in a go-go band together spin out yeah spin out it's better than spin out okay, okay so our official ranking is Viva Las Vegas then Speedway then spin out as far as the race yeah. car movies go yeah just because like Spin Out had too much like weird camp going on and Speedway kind of tones it down at least a little bit. Which I, I still don't agree with, but that's your own opinion. That's fine. Yeah. Well, let me put it this way. Speedway didn't have like pop-up tents that were like really weird and kooky and shaped a certain way. No, but it had a dude getting punched and then he slides into an elevator. Yeah. Like like a Looney Tunes cartoon. That is true. Well, anyways, you guys let us know in the comments which one you think is better. But that's our definitive ranking for right now. It's Viva Las Vegas, Speedway, and then Spin Out. Let's get into the facts of the movie. Let's do it. So it's up to you. You're uh, the one running their yeah, show. Yeah, no. I, <laughs> so Elvis got married, I guess, during the production or this right before the production. So the filming was March to April 1967, and he was married May 1967. So, so the filming of Clambake, which is last week's film, Clam was during Bake. March yeah, to sorry. April. Thank you. And so right after Clambake wrapped, he got married on May 1st, and then this movie starred in June. Ah, uh, okay. I see that now. Yeah. Jeez, I can't even read notes properly. <laughs> Off to a bad start. But you know, I haven't heard you make any jokes yet, so maybe we're still evening. Eve, even. <laughs> Release date was June 12th, 1968. The studio is MGM, and we've got a little synopsis here. Poor bookkeeping saddle stock car driver Steve Grayson. How do we feel about the name? It's pretty average. I mean, as a as yeah, for a race car driver, it sounds like a lot of NASCAR dudes. Yeah. So that's fair. Good job on that. Yeah, that's the question. Like, if Elvis was a NASCAR driver, then would this name be a good name for a NASCAR driver, or is it a good name for Elvis Presley if Elvis Presley had a different name? Right. Yep. Okay. Let's move on. With a huge bill for back taxes, which hampers his ability to continue racing competitively. So the the gist of the story is that, Elv in this synopsis anyway, Elvis ha gets in bad with the IRS and has to do a bunch of hootenanny to try and get his money back. But that doesn't happen until like halfway through the film. The exact halfway point is a really, we'll get into the music, is a really strange musical yeah. number, a full musical number with choreography and stuff. Yeah, it's really It takes weird. place in the IRS offices. I've, I thought I was... <laughs> having a fever really dream strange. yeah i thought by that point that the movie was gonna take a dip but it didn't actually i was it actually picked yeah from that point on it kind of yeah. picks up because you're like okay now i have no idea what what can happen at any yeah. given moment 
Uh, we're back with Norman Torog. This is his movie number eight out of nine for the Norman Torog films left in the franchise, which I'm very, very excited about. Cinematographers, we've got Joseph Ruttenberg, who did It Happened at the World's Fair. And the writer is Philip Shukin. 25 credits, mostly TV, only three films. He did Doctor, You've Got to Be Kidding, which, do you know about that movie? I don't know anything about that movie. It says right underneath in the notes that it has Sandra Dee and George oh, Hamilton and that it co-stars oh. Bill Bixby. Oh, I see. You want me to see the little names of the people too. Okay, I got it. I got it. Oh, it was adapted from a 1965 novel, Three for a Wedding, co-wrote Plunderers of Painted Flats. Alternate title, Potluck. Which, if you remember, was actually Potluck with Elvis was one of his albums that we were making fun of because like, what the heck what kind of title is that? But Oh... That makes sense. Maybe they wanted to kind of shoe those things in together and this just ended up becoming a different film. You know what I mean? I guess. I don't know. Yeah. All right. Elvis's character's name, Steve Grayson, we already did. We've got seven songs. How did you feel about the songs, Matt? Oh, see, because of this, because you see the notes, we can't do the de- the guessing game anymore. I couldn't be like, how many songs were in the movie? Oh, no. Oh, shoot. Oh, yeah, that's but fine. You already knew how many songs they were because you wrote this document. That well, I'm yeah, but that was never the, so the point. was always just be like, <laughs> to see how perceptive you were. <laughs> Morgan. I wasn't very perceptive. I think we can just say that and let it lie. <laughs> so there's seven songs. Any of these good? Yeah, some of them were good. Speedway was okay. The title track was okay. Let Yourself Go was fun, kind of moody. I did not like Nancy Sinatra's track. She did Your Groovy Self, and it wasn't bad, but I just didn't really like it. I didn't like her style of singing, and I didn't like Nancy Sinatra dancing. I had some trouble. Well, then, not to spoil what we're going to talk about later, but you're in agreement with Roger Ebert. Oh, good. Who reviewed this movie. <laughs> good. I'm very excited. The only other movie he reviewed. Matt has graciously allowed me to read to you the Roger Ebert report in a lovely, lovely voice that I'm going to make up on the spot. So you have that to look forward to. He's rolling his eyes right now. He's very unhappy about it, but he's going to let me do it, allegedly. I, I know. <laughs> anyway, next song. Your time hasn't come yet, baby. I didn't like this song. He's singing it to a bunch of like little girls. The one little girl specifically. The, yeah. The main little it's girl. Just, I don't mind it. It's just like, I don't like to watch movies where like guys treat women like sexual objects and then like they parade little girls out onto the screen and sing these like sweet little love songs to them. It's just like, it's not my cup of tea. I don't know. Maybe I'm just too sensitive. Yeah. And then we have the weird fever dream song, which is he's your uncle not your dad he's talking about uncle sam and like the taxation office and like a bunch of old business dudes in suits start doing jazz dancing <laughs> like it's it's really strange <laughs> like he gets up from they're all sitting waiting for their turn in the office and then he gets up and they all cross their legs at the same time and so you're like wait a minute what, what's with all this choreographed like synchronized <laughs> movement and then it gets more and more elaborate and then they like push the tables aside so they could do this big thing and bill bixby's yeah. there too and he's being lifted into the air and it's really strange. Yeah. I'm I'm not kind of amazing though. Yeah. It it reminded me like I don't know why, but it reminded me of Mary Poppins the dad. Mm. Like just he's, yeah, just he's a banker and we have a we have a yeah. scene in his office at some point. Yeah. So anyway, that's what I was thinking of when I was watching that. Then there's Man, could you, you imagine? Sorry, could you imagine if Dick Van Dyke was in this movie and he was like the tax man? <laughs> That would, that would have been so great. I only would have accepted that on the basis that he continued to do a really bad Cockney accent like <laughs> he did in Mary Poppins. That's the only go. way I would accept that. Yeah. So uh, song number six, Who Are You, Who Am I? I think that's the one of the like 
first like ballads that they have where Elvis is starting to feel feelings and so about like yeah three quarters of the way yeah, into the movie yeah but like actually liking the chick or whatever and then Nancy and Elvis sing a duet together there ain't nothing like a song and it's not that great but well it's fine it serves a purpose and that's fine um, I got some facts here about the songs. There Ain't Nothing Like a Song was rejected as a track from Spin Out. Yep. But it's listed on the songs. Yeah, because this is, a, this is Speedway. It was a rejected track. Oh, from, right. God damn it. Keep, they're just, it's too much, okay? <laughs> Sorry. Jeez. Okay, Your Groovy Self is included in the soundtrack. Um, in the soundtrack LP, rather, making it the first and only song by another artist to be released on an official Elvis Presley record. That's kind of interesting. I wonder if there was some caveat to that. I feel like our man in black, our, our evil, um, what's his name there? The Colonel, you know, the bad guy. <laughs> what's his name? Colonel Tom Parker. There we go. Okay, you got it. I feel like... <laughs> I feel like Tom Parker like had to really, I don't know, swallow something tough before letting Nancy on to one of Elvis's records, you know? Like I feel like he didn't like that. So it's possible. That's just, it's possible. Co stars. It's Nancy Sinatra playing Susan Jacks. She has eighteen credits. Actually nineteen if you count her being just the daughter of Frank Sinatra. That's definitely a bit part. <laughs> Sorry, just kidding. <laughs> so um, most notable is Vicky in The Ghost in the Invisible Bikini. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, she did a few beach party things, but that was a big one. I believe it. She looks like a beach party girl. Like she looks like she's perfectly able to be typecast. Uh, Bill Bixie is playing Kenny Donford, and he was in Clambake. But I can't remember who he was. He was the villain in Clambake. No. Oh. He was his rival. Right. You oh, either yeah, was th- yeah that's you right. either die the rival or you live long enough to become buddies with Elvis <laughs> in the next movie. Is how this goes. True. <laughs> yeah, I like Bill Bixie. Uh, Gail Gordon playing R. W. Hempworth, who is the tax man, the like IRS dude. Mm-hmm. His before last film. This was his before last film. So his second to last film was this one, and then he made one more film after this. Math. I'm an ingenious. I'm an ingenious. I'm a genius. His last film was Walter Sesnick in The Burbs, 1989. That was his last role. He played Walter Sesnick in the 1989 movie The Burbs. Right. With Tom Hanks. Have you seen The Burbs? Yeah. Have you seen it? Yeah. Is it, it good? It, it wasn't a big hit when it came out, but it's kind of become a cult classic now. Nice. It's got Carrie Fisher and one of her like rare oh. lead post Star Wars things. She plays Tom Hanks's wife. Oh. And they live in the suburbs, and then there's this weird, creepy family that moves across the street, and everyone assumes or starts speculating that they're like they're killers or something. Oh, and weird. There's a lot of yeah. It's like a really weird dark. It's it's Joe Dante who did like Gremlins and stuff. Oh, yeah. that's kind of interesting. Oh, maybe we'll check it out. Um, American character actor, perhaps best remembered as Lucille Ball's longtime television foil, particularly as cantankerously combustible, tight-fisted bank executive Theodore J. Mooney on Ball's second television situation comedy, The Lucy Show. Gordon also appeared in I Love Lucy and had starring roles in Ball's successful third series, Here's Lucy, and her short-lived fourth and final series, Life with Lucy. Yeah, I you... have a feeling that Matt has been writing in some tongue twisters to try and trip me up here. This no, is this, really... is, this is just <laughs> how the notes are. It's good. It's good. Shows how um... I make it look so effortless. <laughs> no, I was yeah. going to say, did you know that Lucille Ball had like four different starring roles in four different sitcoms? No, yeah. I didn't. I thought it was just I Love Lucy. No. 
three more after that. Wow. My gosh. And he was you in all actually, of them. Wow. Gail, Gail Gordon we're still talking about, by the way. Yeah. Um, okay, now we're going to talk about William Schallert. Actually, uh, Morgan, I think it's pronounced Shalea. Like, what are <laughs> you, you doing? <laughs> you, okay, you got it. You picking up what I'm putting down. Uh, he plays Abel Esterlake, and he's noted in Matt's notes as. Dr. Oh, you're not going to be able to parse what the heck this means. Sorry, let me let me just take over. Okay. Or, or no, actually, here we go. Yeah, this is part of the game now. You have to tell me what I meant when I wrote down my notes. Okay, so he wants me to say something about Dr. Fraker in Will Penny, which is a 1967 movie with Charleston Heston slash Lee Majors. So he did no, he wasn't with Charleston Heston slash Lee Majors. I'm guessing that he played like a role typecast for Charleston Heston slash Lee Majors. That's my guess. That's no. my final answer. He played the character of Dr. Fraker in the movie Will Penny from 1967, which stars so, Charlton Heston as the titular Will Penny. Uh, but Lee Majors is important because we brought him up in Clambake. He had that background, like, walk-on role as a waiter in that one scene. He had, like, this oh, yeah. like, mustache on. That's right. So this was his debut in film, was in yeah. Will Penny. Okay. We're going to move on to Victoria Page Mayorink. She plays Ellie Easterlake. 19 credits she has. Matt wants me to tell you about The Night of the Grizzly, which is a 1966 movie. At the age of four, Mary Ink became Danny Kaye's co-star on the CBS variety series, The Danny Kaye Show, and in 2006 was honored by the Young Artist Foundation with its former child star Lifetime Achievement Award for her role on the series. As an adult, she was at one time the youngest female film producer in the film industry, producing the film Young Warriors, 1983, at the age of 22. Canon Films also produced Night Force in 1987. No, no, no. So See, who's can- who's Young Cannon Warriors Films? was a Canon Films production. Canon Films oh, were also produced classic okay. schlockmeisters of the 80s. They did all the Chuck Norris movies. They're the ones who made Chuck Norris a star. Ah, okay. uh, all the Death Wish sequels with Charles Bronson. Gotcha. Who, of course, gotcha, will start gotcha. with Elvis in Kid Galahad. <laughs> gotcha. Okay, now we're going to talk about Carl Ballantine. Um, he plays Bertie Kebner. Let's see here. Most noted for playing Lester Gruber in McHale's Navy, which is, I guess, a series from 1962 to 1966, had 138 episodes and four seasons. And how many of them did he star in? No, was he was he a like lead. A, he was a lead role. He was a main character. That's the entire series. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, he also played Swanson in The Shakiest Gun in the West, 1968. Is that a Which, good movie? It's the same. I was just looking at movies that came out the same year as this movie that they were also in. And uh, Shake His Gun in the West is another Don Knotts comedy. We've talked about him quite a lot recently. He keeps popping up. Oh, yeah? So this is one where he plays like a paroled bank robber and some shenanigans oh. happens. You know Don Knotts. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe I forget. Maybe I forget like I always do. <laughs> Let's see. Who else do we got here? We got Ross Hagen. He plays Paul Datto. And also he played Landon Ricketts in The Red Dead Redemption. Like as the voice, or that like, was his final. They... That was his final acting credit. He was the voice of the character of Landon Ricketts in Red Dead Redemption, the video game from twenty ten. Is, is Landon Ricketts the bad guy? He's not. He's a. I can't remember. Right. Okay. I can't this... remember who he is either. I played Red Dead Redemption too. I just can't remember. There's a lot of cowboys in that in that game. <laughs> it's hard to keep them all. And they all got funny names like Straight Landon up. Ricketts and yeah. all that kind of stuff. That's pretty cool. Okay, so he was also led in the Hellcats, nineteen sixty eight. Um, no, he was the lead. Oh. <laughs> he was the lead in the Hellcats, top billing. <laughs> well, I didn't know. It looks like a name. <laughs> Anyways, he, that was a like 
biker delinquent movie because they were making a bunch of those yeah. at the time. And yeah, 68, so it's the same year as this. So Ponce Ponce, is that his real name? Well, born Ponciano Ponce, yeah. Born in Maui. Oh, I see. I he's see. the one okay. part of, of Elvis's character's pit crew. Yeah, he's pit crew, yeah. Okay, he plays, <laughs> again, why do they, Juan Medalla, like, they can, I, okay, never mind. Just leave that. I'll just leave the fact that they've cast a Hawaiian guy to play a Spanish guy. Moving on. <laughs> so, uh, born in Maui, played Kim Quisano in The Hawaiian Eye, had 124 episodes. He played in 124 episodes, or yes. the series had 124 episodes? He it, was, it had 134, so he was in every episode of the show except for 10. Oh, wow. Was he a lead? Yeah, he was one or of them. He was like a main character. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, next up is Charlotte. This one's hard. Considine. Charlotte Considine. She plays Lori. This is actually lots of- way, this is like a weight off my back because I don't have to worry about pronouncing things anymore. It's all up to you to do this. <laughs> and I just get to sit back and just be like, yep, go ahead. That sounds fine. <laughs> uh, she's been in lots of TV, known for being Miss Beetle on Little House on the Prairie from 1974 to 1978. She was in 45 episodes. She's yeah, also- I don't know if her 45 episodes span the entirety of the series. That's just how long the series yeah. has been for. Yeah. Nancy in Tremors. She was also Nancy in Tremors, the 1990 movie. And she was also Betty Briggs in Twin Peaks. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. That's what it says there. Well, I recently rewatched Tremors and it's still really good, by the way. Oh. In case you had any doubts. I think she actually returned for Tremors 3 because that's back to perfection where they go back to the the town. Because the second one, they're not in the town anymore, but they bring back Fred Ward, but he's like the only returning cast member. Gotcha. Okay. Um, and she returned as Betty Briggs for Twin Peaks: The Return, the like third season that they did a few years back. Oh, she's still around. Oh, Betty Briggs okay. being the wife of Major Briggs, the army guy who right. has something to do with the happenings of the town. You know how Twin Peaks is; it's very obtuse. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say we okay. really don't have time to get into it, but yeah, he's no, he's we really, really don't. Okay, Beverly Powers as Miss Beverly Hills. She played Miss Charlotte, Miss Charlotte a hundred. Marianne Ashman. What do these things mean? That's her character from the movie. You just watched this film. Her name is Miss Charlotte 100 because she's the one who is there when he accepts the prize for first place at the beginning of the movie. She's got a little sash. Beverly Powers. But okay. I got it. I got it. Yeah. Miss Charlotte. Okay. Marianne Ashman. Gotcha. And she's also a showgirl in Viva Las Vegas and Trudy in Kissing Cousins. The leader of the Kitty Hawks. Oh, yeah, that lady. Oh, my God, she was so fun. I liked her in this. It was nice to see her again. I didn't recognize her, but I'm glad yeah. that she was This back. is actually the first time she actually gets a, a bigger enough role that she's got, like, a full name. And yeah. I think this is the most screen time. Well, no, she was, she did all that thing with the army dudes in Kissing Cousins, so maybe yeah, she that. Yeah, she was on there quite a bit, yeah. But I think this is the only movie Elvis movie that she's been in where she gets to actually kiss Elvis. Right? And yes, they do the gag where she she's like yeah. for the you know just for the newspapers, and then she goes well just in case they, yeah. they can get the right shot, let's do it again. It's yeah, true. I like that. She also played Sylvia in The Power, which is a 1968 movie, and she was also a topless swimmer, uncredited. And oh, like the the girl in the beginning? No, no, no. Oh, okay. She's uncredited. She's somewhere in Jaws as a topless swimmer. That's what it said. On IMDb. But there's only one topless swimmer in Jaws. It's the lady at the beginning. What about the full 4th of July beach scene? Surely oh. you don't think that maybe somewhere in there there was a... I mean, I guess it's possible. Let us know in the in the comments if this is a fact. <laughs> yeah, okay. So we've gotten through the characters. Is there anything that you want to talk about before we get into your lovely, lovely factoids? 
Anything you want to mention? Uh, the 1968 movie The Power is about a team of psychic specialists Ooh. that one of them among their ranks starts killing them one by one and they have to figure oh, out who it is. That's interesting. Yeah. Neat. Have you seen it? No. No. You should. Sounds good. Maybe I will. Yeah. Maybe I'll just watch it while you read <laughs> off the rest of these facts and take over the rest of the thing. Okay. I don't know why, Matt, you're being so spicy with me. Gosh, I'm doing my best. Noteworthy factoids. Script originally offered to Sonny Bono and Cher. You know those guys. Babe, I love you, babe. Those guys. I got you, babe. I got you, babe. I love you, babe. Oh, it's never good enough. <laughs> but their, uh, but after their first movie bombed, it was given to Elvis Presley and Nancy Sinatra instead. Um, the white number six car that Elvis Presley drives is a 1967 Dodge Charger. It appears to be the Cotton Owens team number six, driven in real life by David Pearson. And let's see what else we got here. This is the first racing film to give opening credits to actual NASCAR drivers. I noticed that. I was wondering why there was like this like parade of dudes in cars being like and also these guys and these dudes and then i didn't see them in the movie and i was like where did those dudes go and they're they driving just, the cars they they're racing the cars. the cars oh that's great which finally <laughs> it clicked in my head we've been talking about like why stock car racing was super popular all of a sudden right and it's because stock car racing became nascar oh like that's what nascar is oh i didn't know that it's just now instead of using stock cars they use specialized racing cars for nascar but like it's like shit. oh duh yo yeah that's super popular it's still popular to this day it's freaking that's crazy. It's out of control yeah stock car racing is pretty cool mm -hmm. okay this is uh this is nancy sinatra's final film role good <laughs> wait did she die tragically is that why because that that's not funny then right I can't make a joke. I mean, you can only go off what's in the notes, so... Oh, my God. If you wrote the notes okay. down, you'd probably know <laughs> the extra bit of information. You want me to research this, too? Is that what you want? This is I don't know why I you wanted to do this, to read it yourself, but, I mean, you're going because with it. Because I thought it would be fun. Okay. I'm having a good time. All right, keep going, then. Okay. Racing sequences were filmed with 10 cameras. Is that too many? <laughs> I don't know. Is it too many cameras? Is that a lot of cameras? I mean, they're just trying to get as much coverage as they can, I guess. There's a lot of stock footage of pileups, too, where like you could tell that the footage yeah. gets something very grainy, and you're like, oh, this is like, yeah. definitely just stuff they found. I've also noticed like in the race car bits, like I get that I get that when you're filming a race where you've got to do like 50 or 40 or 100 laps for like an hour, like it gets repetitive. But there were some scenes that I saw that I was like, wait a minute, didn't I just look at this? Didn't I just watch this exact scene? I don't know. Maybe I'm just confused. Oh, Petula Clark was the first choice for the female. Okay, lead, well that one is it's it Petula. It's Petula. <laughs> no way, it's Petula. <laughs> um, Annette Funicello was also briefly considered. Who's Annette Funicello? Who is she? Well, I'm glad you asked. It's not like I've talked about her a yeah. bunch because she was in all the beach party movies <laughs> with Frankie Avalon. Matt, it's hard for me to remember <laughs> all of them. Gosh. Um. Norman Torog had his granddaughter in the film as an extra. Seems to be the only nice thing he ever did for anybody during this fucking movie production stuff. I hate, I just hate Norman Torog. <laughs> you know, he was going blind by the end of his life, right? Good. I'm glad. Then I won't like have to watch his really movies He was really in weak health when yeah, he was making these that's movies. Sad. That's too bad. I guess Colonel Tom Parker hated him and Elvis. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Norman Torog. You did the best with what you could. I still hate it. Speedway wasn't that bad, though. So I guess maybe the last film that we'll watch by him, maybe it'll actually be good. That would be nice. Maybe him going blind did something for his work. I don't know. No, you can't say that. That's too mean. <laughs> um, what 
extra was she? What did his granddaughter do in the movie? Or was she just like in the background? No, it doesn't say. I don't know. Oh, okay. Uh, Carl Ballantyne as Bertie Kebner was one of the PT-73's crew in McHale's Navy. Remember when you said that like a few minutes ago? Because it's part of the cast no. thing? I didn't. I don't. <laughs> I remember, like, I remember the Mikhail's Navy. That's the part that I remember. I'm not even shitting you. <laughs> he played Lester Gruber, who sometimes used magic tricks in his quest to scrounge items. Ballantine was a performing magician who played in early Las Vegas, showing him with a white rabbit. Oh, in the start of the film was a tip of the silk top hat to his other job. I see. So he's a magician man, and he showed up on this movie, and he was like. Good luck. And then he kissed a rabbit. And that was all part of the plan. To show it was a pretty good bit because one of the race car yeah. drivers is shown in his car kissing a rabbit's foot. And then he just pulls a full yes. rabbit from out of yeah. like, <laughs> below screen and just gives it a kiss. He's like, you guys are totally going to, you can't win. I got all the luck. Yeah, I thought that was pretty fun. Okay, Roger Ebert's two-star review. Oh, geez, this is really long. You are committed now. You can't back out. <laughs> you want me to? Okay. Jesus. No, I can't. It's too long. People are going to get actually annoyed. Like if this was I'll read the first paragraph in a funny voice and then we'll just get to like regular Roger Ebert. Okay, Speedway published June 28th, 1968, 10 days after turning 26. Last time was 12 days shy of 25. What does that mean? Remember? No, I don't. The last time the review he wrote for Easy Come Easy Go it was yeah. he was 12 days away from turning 25 and we were talking about oh. how young he was. Now we find him here writing his second of only two Elvis movies he ever reviewed, Speedway, and ten days after ten days after he had turned twenty six. I see. Okay. Just to give you he an said, idea okay. of where he is in his career and his his stuff, and it's also the Easy Come Easy Go review was, of course, a one star review. And now look, he gave it a two star review for Speedway. Aww, maybe he'll be less mean to Elvis in this one. Potentially, let's find out. Okay, Roger Ebert says, You may not believe this, but I was inspired to see Elvis Presley's Speedway because of this week's essay in Time magazine. There were other reasons, too. I hadn't seen an Elvis movie since last summer's Easy Come, Easy Go, and after a week of war movies, Mexican Second and Vietnam, the idea of a nice, relaxed, simple musical held allure. There, that's it. Uh, okay, let's see what he says. Time's essay is entitled The Late Show as History. It points out that the 13,000 old movies now providing TV's late shows are America's National Museum of Pop Art, the biggest repository of cultural artifacts outside the Smithsonian. Time is right. The old movies contain the attitude, prejudices, hopes, and dreams of earlier years. They recall the hunger for money during the Depression, the era of the great stars, and the unashamed B-Western. Golly, Mr. Autry, sighs Pat Buttram, you sure do sing, Purdy. Just the other night, for example, Chicago saw Spike Jones and Buddy Hackett in Fireman Save My Child, a 1954 comedy described by the Sun-Times TV purview as a false alarm. So it was. But where else, I ask you, could a younger generation learn who Spike Jones was or what Buddy Hackett hasn't changed his style in 14 years? These are discoveries not to be sniffed at. Speedway is the late show of 20 years from now, I suppose. What will it tell the insomniacs of 1988 about our society? 
For one thing, they will probably wonder why we considered Elvis a sex symbol. <laughs> he is as respectable on the screen as Dick Powell ever was, and his recent movies hold no hint of the swivel hips my generation remembers from the Ed Sullivan show of 1956. Viewers will also find a catalog of the recreations and material possessions prized in 1968, especially by Southwesterners. Are we going to talk about the inside of the of the can that they live in? I'm excited. We'll see. We'll find out. You, also, Southerners. You said Southwesterners. Oh, oh, Southerners. Southerners. My bad. Alice's films are quite successful in the South, and Speedway seems to have been made with that market in mind. Stock car racing is far away from the most popular Southern sport. See Tom Wolfe's The Candy Color Tangerine Flake Streamlined Baby. So in Speedway, Elvis races... Well, you don't want to bar- take a pause and know what that is? We can. <laughs> it's a series of essays that Tom Wolfe wrote about the like car culture of the South. Oh, yeah. the candy-colored tangerine flake streamlined baby. Sounds kind of fun. So in Speedway, Elvis races a barracuda around the Charlotte Speedway, lives in an expensive mobile home, drinks pop, and keeps his hair combed. Pause, um, because we got to call out Ebert on getting the car make wrong. It is not a barracuda, as we already it's mentioned correct, earlier. Yeah. It's a dodge. Speedway also reflects the ground rules of courtship established in old Aussie and Harriet shows. Elvis is excessively proper in behavior with his various dates, one of whom is Beverly Hills, the Hollywood stripper, whose charms rival Bridget Bardot's, and another of whom is Nancy Sinatra, whose charms do not. (laughs) There is a lot of coyness. You locked us in here on purpose, Nancy pouts, and Elvis gets his extra key to prove he didn't mean to. Meanwhile, Nancy climbs out the trailer's window, which seems excessive under the circumstances, but maybe not. At least one of the girls in Speedway is convinced by tape-recorded animal roars that the lions have escaped from the zoo and that Elvis's trailer is the only safe haven. And so it goes, with Elvis buying a station wagon for a poor family, and Elvis arguing with the tax man, and Elvis climbing into his Plymouth, and Nancy Sinatra still desperately trying, at this late stage of her career, to sing. Speedway is a pleasant, kind, polite, sweet, and noble, and if the late show viewers of 1988 will not discover from it what American society was like in the summer of 1968, at least they will discover what it was not like. (laughs) Oh, geez. It's pretty succinct. I like that there's a little bit less bashing and a little bit more like, how should I say? Yeah, he's grown up in like those two years. Yeah, he's done a good job. Or it's like not even a full two years. Yeah. He's, he's talking like we're talking. He's, he's bringing in the cultural... Yeah. Talking about how people I, perceive I it in the like, future. Yeah. And here we are in the future, actually, now looking back on it. Yeah, I take my previous comments about Roger Ebert back. I would not like to fight Roger Ebert anymore. The man may rest in peace, knowing that I will not try to fight him. So, good job. Thanks, Roger Ebert. All it took was one two-star review of an Elvis movie for me to change my mind. We're going to get into the film's plot stuff. Anything you want to talk about, Matt, before we move to the next section? I mean... No, go have at it. Okay. The film's plot stuff. Written by Matt. Read by me. To the audience you. In this time of our Lord, 2021. In the beginning, Elvis walks in on his manager kissing his date. That's your manager? It was a chance meeting. What are we talking about here? I'm, that's some dialogue that I wrote <laughs> from the movie. You, okay. All right. Well, I'm sorry. Oh, Did you want I... me to structure properly with like quotes and everything? <laughs> I'm just wondering, like, why you want me to look at this? Like, why are we talking about this? Give us some context. I do this for every movie. This is so I can remember what the heck happened in the movies we watched. Because otherwise, the plot might just, you know. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Um, Yeah, I didn't like this part of the movie. Like, this is the beginning part of the movie, and it's really, 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 really bad. 
because it's super like yeah bill bixby might have been upgraded from being the rival from clambig to like his buddy manager in this but he's actually maybe a worse character because yeah he's been severely downgraded as a character he's really just hamming it up and we did have some cool opening titles i did want to say that yeah they're really like well illustrated they're really bright yeah there was like animation they look fast Yeah, yeah. yeah yeah it was really nice I hope that we'll get some more. I hope we'll have like nice, at least o- nice opening credits for the rest of the movies. Then I can have nice one nice thing to say about Stay Away Joe when we do it next week or the week after that or the week after that. I can't remember which one it is. Um, racing and racing. His car's tires start smoking, but he won. So, oh, wait, I missed, I missed a spot. Hold on. We're going to go back. We get to the racing bit right off the bat. We already talked about the kissing the lucky rabbit's foot and then one-upping with the full rabbit. And then, yeah, I just want to say I couldn't tell that Elvis was winning these races. I mean, like, was that just me? I don't. Yeah, I, the, I the really announce. Tell. Yeah, the announcers just there, like he's in second. Oh, he's gaining speed. Oh, he's he's holding first, and they're like, yeah, how many laps and what? Yeah, I couldn't tell, right? And then, like every time Elvis crosses the finish line, he like busts up his car or something, and then he gets out of his car and he's like, ah. And so I, th- I'm always like, are you sad because your car got broke up, or, or are you sad because you lost the race? Like I can't tell, I don't know. Um, kiss for the papers. Better make sure is when um the Charlotte 100 lady or Kitty Hawk from the previous movie Beverly comes in. Powers, yeah, yeah, comes in to give Elvis a second kiss. And that, I thought that was fun too. Um, Susan is okay so the whole concept here is that Susan works for the IRS she's part of the internal revenue agency's like scheme to look at Elvis's spending and get him to pay his taxes (laughs) it's a really (laughs) strange setup yeah but at the same time you're like well I guess that's different so yeah so again she's played by Nancy Sinatra and she jumps out the window which honestly, like Roger Ebert gives a shit, but that's actually kind of what I had done. If if somebody locked me in a room with somebody that I just didn't know and they were like, you want to make out with me? I'd be like, no, I want you to let me out. And they were like, fine, I'll go get the key. I'd be like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm just going to leave. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> that's definitely no, no, no. See, the thing is, Elvis wasn't insisting that she stay. It was Bill Bixby doing the thing. He's the one who locked them in in the first place. I know, but still, I don't know. I just, maybe I'm too sensitive, but like if some, I... In my position, if I was locked into a, a trailer with like a strange man that I didn't know and they were like, let me just, I'll just be right back. I'll just go get the key and everything will be fine. I'd be like, maybe he's not going to get the key. Maybe he's going to get something mean. I better leave. <laughs> I don't leave it up to chance. That's just me. Um. Okay. Yeah. Let's talk about the club. Let's talk about the, the cool, cool, the very cool, the things that people sit on that are in the club. They're like the back of cars and they're like cars sawed in half Mm -hmm. so people can sit in the back seat of a car and like order a shake and fries and stuff like that. That was really fun. It's very colorful. It's like all kinds of like pastels or just bright other things going on. Yeah. Now you may be asking yourself, you know, Morgan, Matt, you like how how does Elvis sing in this movie if he isn't a singer? If he's a race car driver, how do they get him to sing? And how they start it is they in this club if you get your photo taken, you have to sing. No, he just ha- <laughs> he holds a spotlight on the stage. Yeah, and then he just shines it at random people sitting at their 
enjoy trying to enjoy their meals <laughs> and they have to stop everything when he shines it on them so that they have to get up and do something yeah which in this case is like just belt out a, a, freaking a, a tune, polished pop tune that's fully like orchestrated with the backing band spontaneously yeah how would you feel if you went to a restaurant and somebody put a spotlight on you and they were like now dance monkey dance <laughs> what would you do i'd probably climb out the window <laughs> that's fair <laughs> i would actually have a lot of fun with that but i'd probably do something like really upsetting for the other guests to be you're, honest you're definitely yeah you get banned from the restaurant yeah i'd start singing that song by the offspring where he's like talking about his girlfriend that he really hates and uses a bunch of swear words <laughs> like moms have to start covering the ears on the kids and stuff although i guess there weren't really a lot of moms in this shot which is a shame really moms at me you know who i am and i know who you are and i love you for it let's meet up <laughs> just kidding don't put that in okay the cars were cool there's a little girl stealing hot dogs that's good great let's talk about that there's like a bunch of children in this movie and they're all very hungry and um, we're like, introduced to this concept yeah, by watching this little girl steal food from the restaurant and then like Elvis follows her back to her people <laughs> and um, there's a patrol officer like what does he do? No, that's their dad. Yeah, but what does their dad do? Like, he's, he's a is he, he a patrol officer? I don't think he has a job. He's living out of his car. Right. Well, he was a stock car driver, uh, but his leg is okay. busted up. So he's like, I can't wait to get back on onto the speedway. Yeah, but he can't <laughs> he can't drive right now. Gotcha. He's got no income. So Elvis shows up. Yeah. And is like, I'm gonna pay all your bills for you, and I'm gonna do everything's gonna be fine or whatever. And they're like, cool. And then he comes back later and like gives them a new car with like a bunch of food and whatever. And he's also like at the, there was this point where he's at the restaurant and there's this girl crying. He's on the date with the Charlotte 100 lady. And this, no, 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 it was like, it wasn't the same girl. There was oh, a different was girl. A different that was the Charlotte like lookalike 250 or something. There was yeah. like a- <laughs> Charlotte. 250. No, I'm not making a joke. It's literally like- I know, I know, I know. It's just funny to me that they called it that. It makes me laugh. Okay, Nancy gets the spotlight. It's bad. Did you want to talk about the performance? No. No? He just, okay. <laughs> Pick a partner, time to dance. Goodness gracious, this sequence. Yeah, the dance numbers are starting to get a little crazy. I don't know if you noticed, but like, they're just really intense and really involved and really choreographed, you know? Normally they just have like, normally they just fill the space with go-go dancers. Not this time. This time everybody has to dance very specifically. In a very specific set of circumstances. And, and, and then, Morgan is still not happy. No. She's well, like, I can't stand all this go-go dancing. And then she's like, <laughs> bring back the go-go dancing. <laughs> yeah. I did like the part where like the girls were dancing on top of a loft. And then they were like hanging off of the loft by holding onto their partner's arm. And like it looked really precarious. That was kind of fun. Very daring. Yeah. They could have fallen and broken their necks. That's fun. Yeah. That was nice. <laughs> a little danger, you know. Yeah, a lot of a lot of choreographed dancing in this one, which is uh, pretty crazy. Just to specify, though, the goodness gracious, this sequence I'm talking about, the Bill Bixby trapping his date in the trailer and then using a bunch of shenanigans. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like a bunch of they really wanted to show off that tape recorder. Did you notice that? He with the remote. Yeah, notice, it's got a remote control, which know, is very fancy for the time. Did you notice that like every scene that they go into the trailer in, they always make sure to pan t- so that the recorder setup is like really nicely framed, and you can see all of the cool technology that you would like to have in your trailer, reel to reel. Like we didn't mention that the reason Nancy walks into his trailer at the beginning 
is because she knocks on the door and it's that somehow triggers the recorder to just have the recording of Ellis going, come in, come in, yeah, come, come in. in. And it just keeps going. <laughs> like, it's what really the weird. heck? Yeah, it's really bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. So he turns on the recorder to make animal noises, jungle like an- lion noises, and then he turns on the radio with a pre-recorded message saying, "All the animals escaped from the zoo." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's wild animals out there. Don't go outside. You've got to remain inside. And then the yes. girl's like, "Ooh, I'm scared." Because she's like, "I'm he leaving," says, and he's like, "Oh, yeah. I don't worry. I'm not like those other guys. I will let you leave of your own free will if it is your decision yeah. to leave." And then he triggers all this stuff, and yeah. she's like, "I don't want to leave." And he's like, "Is that your decision of your own free yeah. will?" Uh, I I really didn't like that. Like that really just. I know it's supposed to be funny. I know it's supposed to be a fun joke, but it just made you go. Whoa. But it's okay because he gets knocked the hell out at the end because she has a, a, like yeah. a freaking sap in her wrap. Yeah, she's got a sap in her wrap, and she's nice. Because like she she puts it on, and then while like flourishing, she hits him right in the face with it, and then Elvis yeah. like looks in the lining, and there's just yeah, his little you know smart like baton. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, Elvis gives Abel a new car with all the groceries they need. We talked about that already. Another race won. Elvis kisses the girl. Again, she's a different chick. Bigsby kisses the trophy. Yeah, in um, that shot, he's like looking at Elvis kissing the girl, and he's holding the trophy, and he's just like, all right, I guess I'll kiss the trophy. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> okay, so the next scene that we get is this crying waitress and her broke-ass boyfriend who can't afford to get married to her. And it's like really upsetting her. So Elvis is like, oh, I'll pay for your wedding. And, and then we just like smash cut to they just, yeah, where no everyone's planning. doing, they're doing like the, 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 the like bridge thing where like there's people across from each other, but they're holding guitars yeah, they're... and they're like going under the guitars. <laughs> it was really strange. Like, like, I like how that wedding didn't take like any time or effort to plan either. Apparently. Yeah. They just... whipped it up in like a day. Yeah. Amazing. Which you can get done with some money. Um, and then uh, they get called into the IRS. And the IRS says, you owe us some money. I want to say about this too, like, it's weird how they portray the IRS guy. They're portraying him as if he gets any of the money that Elvis pays back in taxes. Yes. Anytime he talks about how much money or like large amounts of money, he goes like, mm, I like hearing that. Mm, and it's really yes, strange. Ooh, yes, the money. And it's like, he, bro, he doesn't get any money from that. He gets paid a salary from the government. Unless... Like, He's really crooked and he's like skimping money from these people. Who knows? Possibly. Maybe they want us to think that so people won't pay their taxes. <laughs> That's the message of this movie. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised that, you know, it, it kind of reflects today's American sentiment as well. So maybe Roger Ebert missed something out and that there's at least one thing that would be the same then as there is today or vice versa or whatever. We're at the halfway point. We get the whole. That, that is the halfway dance point is the IRS. He's. Not your uncle, yes. yeah. Or he's your uncle, not your dad. Uh, <laughs> How yeah. is is that? Maybe is that the dumbest title? We've had many dumb titles for Elvis songs. Is that the dumbest title? Uh, I think so. I think we can say that. Even dumber than Clambake. I I I don't know if Clambake is more stupid or less stupid than He's Your Uncle, Not Your Dad. That's a tough one for me, Matt. You're not supposed to give me difficult things to think about. What about, about Queen Wahini's papaya? No, I don't want to talk about Queen Wahini's papaya. I don't want to talk about her stupid papaya. No. Ooh. Uh, gross. Gross. Moving on. I just hate it. Um, montage of counting the amount of debts they're in. So they they basically, Elvis's really shitty friend 
Um, who is also his of, financial like yeah this, i love how the beginning of the movie starts and elvis is like i trust this man with everything my <laughs> money my job my life everything and then they get to the halfway point of the movie and the guy's like i gambled all your money away and wrote off everything on taxes that weren't taxes oh i'm such a guy you know it's like jesus christ i do like the parts of the movie where elvis is like i'm gonna break you in half <laughs> like I really liked the really dense threat, you know? Anyway, there's a little montage of them counting out how much money they owe. And it's a lot. It's $145,000, which seems like a lot. How do you spend that much money? Especially in in 68. Yeah. Yeah. How do you owe that much money in taxes? Jesus Christ. I'm pretty sure when they finally tax Elon Musk, he's not going to pay that amount. He's going to pay less than that. Uh, Nancy's in the trailer again. Oh, no. Elvis cranking up the charms. He doesn't do a very good job. She gets mad at him. She's like, well, ah. this, yes, I wrote this note right before the tables turn in the sequence. And then she's like, right, I gotcha. So they give them a budget of $100 a week and everybody's technically 150 because Bill Bixby gets 50. Yeah. And then um, he buys a bouquet of flowers to try and get Nancy Sinatra to give him more of their money. She's all like, these tactics won't work on me. And he's like, what yeah. are you talking about? Because once again, Bill Bixby just doing everything on his behalf and he's just screwing it all up yeah he's being really and then elvis burns his dinner oh no his poor yeah i do like that party burns his dinner yeah (laughs) just completely scorched like black yeah done which is i have a feeling that that elvis was already fucking up his dinner you know and blaming it on this poor lady and he gets mad too he's like he's she's so frigid man 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 i hate it yeah they call her an iceberg An, an ice no no a frigid bird a girl no no no. but they say iceberg at one point oh Okay, I believe you. Bixby out with a girl, and boy, can she drink. Oh, she tall. Yeah. <laughs> I loved this sequence so much. I love, like, I, they couldn't have been giving her real liquor in this scene. No, no, Because no. She, she downs, like, six drinks in, like, 20 seconds. And then she stands up, and she's really big. <laughs> she's a real big girl. Which it's like, yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm with you, Bixby. Step on me, mommy. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Does anything happen with this chick? Like, do we ever see her again? No, I don't remember. The, the button on the end of the scene is that then she eats an olive or like the garnish on the drink. Yeah. And then just like falls over backwards. Just oh my like. God, that's really <clears throat> funny. Okay. Like that was the final straw or something. I gotcha. I okay. don't know. Abel's family is now homeless because his car that Elvis gave him has been repossessed by the RS. And the lady that got married to her boyfriend, they came and repossessed all, all the their furniture, furniture yeah. which is really sad. Because Elvis dramatic. gave Bill Bixby all this in cash, thinking that Bill Bixby was just going to pay it for it in cash when, in fact, he was heading to the tracks. Yeah, spending and it all. interspersed throughout this, he keeps getting calls from the dudes like, yo, you better cough up the bread or we're going to come yeah. and rough you, you up owe and me the money. kill you. Yeah, it's crazy. It's, uh, and it's at one really point strange. he goes like, oh, uh, I'll see you later, baby. And he like hangs up and the dude on the other end is like, yeah. baby. And then he goes like, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because he's trying to hide from Elvis that he's talking to a mobster and that he owes them money, right? So he's trying to pretend it's a girl that he's going to go on a date with. Oh, also um, the girl that they, they pay for the wedding, uh, her yeah. broke boyfriend was going to school to become a nurse. And they make they, yeah. they make a joke out of it, but I was like, they oh, make that's a joke, nice. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of interesting. Progressive-ish, even though they're like yeah. making fun of him. It's like, yeah, duh. It's kind nope. of sad to say that like this movie came out in 1968 and like it's been since then and before then, obviously, that like we're still struggling to like give male nurses the respect they deserve in their industry. Yeah. It's kind of sad, right? No. I guess we'll just push that feeling deep, okay, deep down. Okay, then I- We won't deal with it. This is really like bullet points. I'm gonna just going to okay. elaborate on my own notes here. 
So because of the situation, he's like, oh my God, this family's homeless and, and, and all this stuff has happened. He goes to Susan. He's like, we need the money. You don't understand. Something went bad and now yeah. everything's been repossessed. And then she's like, I don't have time to listen to you. I've got a date with that rival car Guess driver me. who I didn't oh, think yeah. <laughs> had anything to do with anything because he was introduced at the beginning as like, oh, he's your main rival. He keeps coming in second to Elvis. Yeah. And yeah, the only thing is that when he tries to dance with her, when they have to choose partners in the club, she's... That dude walks by and she's like, oh, um, Paul, yes, I'm, I'm dancing with you. And then, yes, yeah. and then like the MC makes a crack. He's like, oh, that's the first time he's beat your time. Anyways. Oh, yeah, true. Yeah. Um, so she's heading down to the lobby to meet him and she has no time for Elvis. And then Elvis just goes like, ah, and then he like punches through the <laughs> he punches door. punches through a door. And punches a guy like behind the other side of the door. And then he walks into the hallway and they're like, oh my God, he just punched that dude. And he's just like, oh, it's just a gag. And then he starts running after her down the hallway. And she's like, stop, this guy's coming after me, stop him. And it's like this hectic scene. And then, they're cornered in an elevator. She's on the other side and they're just like, it's super packed with people. And he's like, if I, yeah. I'm going to talk some sense to you, I'll knock you over. And then like the, all the people in the elevator go, oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember that. It's really strange, really weird gag. And then the doors open and then everything like spills out. And then Paul's there and he grabs her and then Paul's like, hey, buddy, you want to dance? And, he's, and then they, they do, a, they they do, do a dance. This is another pretty short fight scene, but like the punch punched Elvis and then Elvis punched the back. And then he punches him so hard that Paul flops onto the floor and on his back just slides as if he was, I don't know, greased or something onto the floor into the back elevator. And then the elevator attendant's like, which floor, buddy? And then he goes up and away. Fabulous. <laughs> uh, it's a pretty good scene. I give it six out of ten. Like That's I said, it, it doesn't really gel with like answer. the tone of the rest of the movie. Yeah, like, it's a little ham-fisted. But I don't care because I love it. I love it when they go stupid slapstick because it keeps my right. attention. It makes That's me fair. go, oh, yeah. stuff's happening. <laughs> yeah, finally, something I can watch. Weird stuff's <laughs> happening. If it's weird, then I'm like, okay, yes, I'm engaged because what is going on here? Yeah, I kind of like flip-flop between that. Like sometimes if it's weird, I'll get engaged. But other times I'm, like, I'm just so checked out that I'm like, yeah, all right, I guess this is happening now, so... Um, and then no no and then so yeah he punches him and then he drags her into the closed cafe in the back rooms and the janitor's yeah. still there sweeping and yeah. and then they they do the big like, duet mm, and she's like i, I like cannot resist you i guess i am in love with you elvis yeah and then when they leave the janitor sings the last line, mm-hmm. line of the song again to his mop yeah weird yeah and then all the kids have to stay over at her place and they're all tucked in bed yeah. Then she calls up IRS man who's like in bed because who knows how late it is. And he's like, what? And she's like. It's four in the morning. Oh, did they specify that? He says so, yeah. Geez, Matt, did you even watch the movie? <laughs> and she's like, you got to make a deal. Uh, Elvis will get money if he gets money and wins the race. And he's like, I'm not giving Elvis any money. And she's like, but if you give Elvis money now, he can have more money later and like a bunch of it. And the guy's like, oh, I love that. That's so good for yeah, us. If you don't then, give him the money, he'll sell his car and then he won't be able yeah, to ever race again. It won't be a race, yeah. And then you won't be able to get any of your money back. And he's like, mm, oh, okay. And then he hangs up, he tries to hang up the phone and he's like, don't call me at 4 a.m. in the morning again unless it's as important as this. And she says, okay, and then they hang up the phone. But Elvis smacks it for some reason. I don't know why. And then him on the other line of the phone, like, receives the smack through the telephone. <laughs> yeah, it's really strange. That's more of that weird cartoon logic that I'm like, yeah. all right, that's what we're doing. So um, we get a little car montage. 
get a little montage in this movie. That was oh no, fun. we got to fix up. Yeah, because he he wins the qualifying round, but yeah, at the expense of like blowing out his tire and, and and or the engine or everything. He's it's smoking yeah. and then so they got to replace the engine and got to do a bunch of stuff and the whole team comes together to have a and fun Nancy Sinatra montage. and everyone keeps falling asleep. She's like asleep on the little um rolly thing that goes Ro- underneath the car. Yeah. The rolly thing that goes underneath the car. Yeah, <laughs> that's what it's called. She also sleeps in an oil barrel. That's pretty fun. So yeah, they have a little montage and then they go to the race and then the race looks like the same race that it's looked like through the whole movie because it's just one track. But what's this? Elvis is lagging behind? There's some extra weight in his car he can't explain. And then the dude, the dad of the kids, turns out he was falling asleep in the back seat. Oh my God. I... I fucking missed that part. I legit missed that part. I had no idea. Okay, yeah, no, he gets up, and then I was like, "What the heck are you doing here?" He's like, "Your your extra weight is like throwing me off. We're like, we're losing this <laughs> I race." Thought, I thought he was going slow because he was making sure that his engine didn't go blow out. No, again. no, no. He was he was pushing Jeez. her. He was flooring it. It just wasn't working because this poor guy was asleep in the back. So then they do the pit stop, and then they drag the guy out. I see. And. Uh, and then Bill Bixby does a pretty sweet like move where he he he's leaning off of the railing onto the car, like holding his weight there, like almost planking. Yeah. Because he's like, Elvis, we got to... And he's like, hey, stay off the track. He's like, I'm not on the track because I'm leaning out. Mm-hmm. And then True. when they pull the dude out, they also have to like rein in Bill Bixby again because he can't like push himself back onto where he was standing. Right. Good physicality. He's really, like I said, he's freaking going for it. He's yeah. jumping and running all over the place. Yeah. Very like, what's that word when somebody has like, they're very alert you know, like he's all he's doesn't there's no like um, hesitancy when he's trying to get up and move around and do a bunch of action. Right. That's kind of fun. So they fixed uh, They wait. They start the race. The guy's in the back of the car and then he comes in third place, not first place, which, again, I couldn't tell. But he comes in third place and uh, it's just enough money to get the car back for the old guy and his daughters. And the furniture and for the newlyweds. the furniture for the newlyweds and then have like $100 to piss away between them. Except then she's like, except you can't piss it away because that's what we're going to retain to make good on yeah. the rest of the thing. And yeah. they go like, I guess we'll go back down to the malt shop or whatever, our little hangout and, and yeah. sing a final song. Yeah. So then they sing a final song and then the movie's over the end. Bada boom. That's the movie. Matt, what do you have to say? That's it, Speedway. <laughs> anything, anything you want to say for like closing thoughts? Um, Would you watch this movie again? Maybe. Would you recommend watching this movie to somebody else? Oh, it depends. Like between this and other Elvis movies, of course, you could definitely do worse. <laughs> so true. There's always that. Yeah. Would you recommend that somebody watch 31 Elvis movies? Yeah, go for it. I dare you. <laughs> yeah, I dare you. Let's see you fucking do it. Let's see you try. Um, Yeah, I guess that's pretty much it for Speedway. And I don't really have anything else to say about it except that I don't want to watch it again if I don't have to. But the opening titles were nice, so I guess that's something. And it didn't go as bad as it could have gone, honestly. It's not the worst. And like the majority of these, especially in this late period, they're all like 90 minutes. They're not... Yeah. They're not dragging I, these things out too much, even though yeah. it still feels like at parts that it's longer than it needs to be, even though it's like at the minimum. Yeah, I'm really I'm really not a fan of Elvis movies where he has like a sidekick guy that like harasses women and like makes jokes like so far any like just about any and all of the roles that people have played, except for like the I've noticed like the Polynesian actors when he shows up, I'm always like, hey, this is great. This is nice. But like all of the other, ac- most of the other actors anyway, like when they show up and they start making jokes and they start goofing and doing stuff with Elvis, I'm like, please stop. I don't want to see you. I just want to see Elvis. Go away. <laughs> well, 
That's my two cents anyway. Okay. That's a good yeah. segue. Oh. If you wanted to see okay. just Elvis, next week, we're not talking about Stay Away Joe. We're letting Joe stay away a little longer <laughs> so that instead we can talk about the 1968 comeback special. Yeah. We're just going to watch Elvis do what he does best, which is singing, singing and dancing. And you'll say, wait a minute, chronologically, shouldn't that come after Live a Little, Love a Little? Well, guess what? Next week, it's my birthday. <laughs> and as a birthday gift to myself, I did not want to talk about Stay Away Joe. I wanted to talk about the Elvis concert where he finally got to perform on stage again and just be Elvis. And so we're going to do that. Yeah. It's really a gift for all of us. Okay. So yeah. let's just enjoy it. And we'll do that when we yeah. get to it next week. <laughs> um, thank you guys so much for tuning into this podcast. Thank you for um, holding true to the very end. If you listened all the way to the very end, we really appreciate it. It means a lot to us. Um, feel free to engage with us on our Twitter account, which is at Elvis has left the movies. <laughs> Almost. No. Elvis has left pod. I got it wrong. Elvis has left pod. <laughs> Remember, there's only so many characters that you can fit into a Twitter handle. Yes. Yes, I know. Okay. Follow us on Twitter at Elvis has left pod. And you can also find us on Podbean at Elvis has left the movies, which will also give you access to links to the episodes and places that you can like different platforms, essentially, that you can stream the episode on if you so choose to do so. And you can also like us on Facebook if you are a boomer like I am, which I am not a boomer, but I like to pretend that I am. You can join me on Facebook on our poorly maintained <laughs> Facebook. I'm going to think I'm going to start posting like just really bad memes there. I think that's what the Facebook is going to become. Just so you know. Just so you're aware. Yeah. And with that, I guess we'll wrap it up today. And um, we hope to see you again next week for the comeback special. And with that, we'd like to say thank, thank you. you. Thank, thank you, you very much. much.